Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hey, Brittany. Hi, Connor. We've talked about a lot of founding fathers on here, and I can't believe we haven't done an episode yet on Thomas Jefferson. I know. The man. So so here we are. I, I consider Jefferson one of the most important founding fathers. And, uh, you know, he did a lot for the cause of individualism or classical liberalism, basically just fighting for freedom, um, right? The, the root word of liberal really just means liberty. So today, liberals are kind of big government people and uh, the word has kind of, you know, morphed. But but he he and others like him called themselves liberals because they believed in liberty. Uh, they were what, today you would you know call libertarians basically so jefferson uh was was and he was young too when he was doing a lot of this when he was working on the so he helped write the declaration of independence he took a leading role there uh but before that this guy you know he's born in virginia uh he was well educated uh he lived with his tutor for a time so he had kind of direct access to smart people to help teach him and he studied all kinds of stuff, which was common for a lot of these guys. They'd study, you know, math and history and philosophy and law and all kinds of stuff. And, and he was a big fan of someone who came a few decades before him named John Locke. And we mentioned John Locke before. He, he wrote some really important books talking about limited government. And he wrote it in England. And, and he wrote it anonymously because what he was writing was basically treasonous because he lived under a king and he was basically writing about how he you know, I actually I love Locke. I did not he wrote that he wrote his works anonymously? It was anonymously, yeah, because he was under the threat of imprisonment if it was known. Wait, how when so did that it, uh, become when did that become known? I don't recall. You'll have to go do that homework. Yeah, and I was going to say you're giving me some homework now. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but Jefferson read Locke. He read a lot of people, but he he read John Locke. And he was really inspired by how he talked about, you know, life, liberty, and property and, and just the core functions of government, that government is supposed to secure our freedom, to protect our rights, that it shouldn't be, you know, pillaging us and robbing us and controlling us. And, and so Jefferson really came to agree with these ideas. He understood that life and liberty and property and the, the pursuit of happiness, you know, as they wrote, were, were really important. He believed that government should be really limited. And so he found himself a delegate to the convention. He was on the committee of individuals who were tasked with uh, with working on the Declaration of Independence. And so he took a leading role in that. There were others who were helping, but he here's this guy and he was, I don't remember his age. I think he was in his mid twenties. I mean, he was pretty young. And he was tasked with writing one of the most important documents in the world, basically just this powerful, powerful document. And it's not a super long document. You know, the first half really establishes the, the, you know, here's our rights and here's what government should be doing and here's why we're doing this. And then in the second half, it's all the, the grievances, right? They list out all the reasons why, why they decided to declare independence, what the king was doing and all these different problems that were being caused. And so Jefferson uh, played this huge role not only the Declaration uh, of Independence with the convention there, the Continental Congress, but, you know, throughout the, revolu uh, the revolution itself, when the Constitution was passed and they're forming the new government, he becomes, um, you know, remains, I should say, quite involved in the government. 
um, he would he would spar a bit with with John Adams. This is kind of interesting, right? We we have this idea that all the founding fathers kind of were like minded, <laughs> and and that's not true. And I think any of the kids who read our America's History uh, Tuttle Twins books are are clearly going to see that there were two major factions. There were the liberals and the conservatives, basically, kind of like uh, today, except it was exact opposite back then. The liberals were the ones, you know, who supported freedom, like Thomas Jefferson, and the conservatives were the ones who wanted strong government power. They wanted government to be able to, you know, order people's lives around. And so, uh, so John Adams, he becomes one of the leaders of. Uh, of the the Federalist Party, so these are kind of the the big government conservatives, and and so John Adams gets elected as president, even representing his own party, and Thomas Jefferson, he was also running for president. His party was called the Democratic Republicans, and back then, uh, so the Constitution was later amended to to get rid of this, but at the time. The way it would work to to become president and vice president is that the president would be the one that got the most votes, and then the vice president would be the one who got the second most votes. But what that meant when you had people from different political parties all running was that you would have a president and a vice president who were members of different political parties, and in fact, who were opponents, adversaries in the in the campaign in the election, and so that's what happened with John Adams. Uh, who became president and Thomas Jefferson. And so he became vice president. And what's really fascinating, there's a bunch of fun stories here. I'll, I'll just pick one. Um, he, Jefferson, decides to team up with James Madison, who was a Democratic, Republican, liberal, freedom lover like him. And they teamed up to fight John Adams, and, who was president, and the uh, and the Congress, which was controlled by Federalists, so the Federalists kind of had control of the federal government, and they were the kind of the big government conservatives. And at the time, the French Revolution is happening, which Jefferson's kind of a fan of because he sees it as a a repeat of sorts of the American Revolution. And and John Adams hated the French Revolution, and he didn't want French immigrants coming. He didn't like to the America. French, period. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he didn't want French people coming over. He wanted to make it harder for them to immigrate and become citizens because he felt, and and other Federalists felt, that the French would kind of bring over like negative, like bad habits and bad attitudes, and they wouldn't be good American citizens. They were they were fearful of the spillover effect from from France into America. So John Adams and the, the Congress, controlled by Federalists, they pass what are called the Alien and Sedition Acts. And this is a collection of bills Congress passed to address what was happening with the French Revolution. And so the Alien Acts, and an alien in legal terms is like a, an immigrant, someone who isn't a, a citizen. And so the Alien Acts dealt with French people, you know, becoming uh, citizens, making it much, much, much harder. And then the Sedition Act said, okay, um, we're going to make it a crime to criticize the President of the United States or Congress. So two things that are fascinating about this. Number one is here's, uh, this, this isn't that far, like much, this isn't that much later from when the Constitution and the Bill of Rights were passed. In fact, many of these people in Congress 
were in Congress when they passed the Bill of Rights and they were part of the ratifying conventions for the Constitution. Like these were people who voted in support of the First Amendment, which says Congress shall make no law regarding speech. Right. This this free speech amendment to the Constitution saying Congress can't make any law about this. It's left up to the states. If they want to do something, they don't have to, but Congress can't do anything about it. And then just a few years later, when you know they're all freaking out about the French Revolution, they're like, oh, we don't like that there's all these people in America who are criticizing what you know the Federalists are trying to do to combat the French. And so let's pass a sedition act that says it is sedition, which is like treason, if you criticize the president uh, or the United States. So that's that's interesting. Excuse me, the president or Congress. That's the interesting fact. Number one is that many of these same guys who who supported and voted for the First Amendment then also voted for the Sedition Act, which is completely unconstitutional. It violates the First Amendment. The second observation, which those of you astute listeners, careful listeners, probably already picked up on, is that when they passed the Sedition Act and they listed the people who would be punished if they were to criticize the president or Congress, they did not include the vice president in the list, (laughs) right? Because he, Thomas Jefferson, was a member of the other political party. So Congress is like, ah, criticize Jefferson all you want. We're just going to give this protection to the Federalists who are in control. And so Jefferson was left exposed to criticism, but really the criticism was all being heaped on the Federalists. You had newspaper editors and and all these people writing articles criticizing uh john adams criticizing congress and so the sedition act passed and a bunch of people are thrown in jail including benjamin franklin's grandson who was the editor of his own little newspaper and he was criticizing adams and he gets punished for it so so jefferson's in the middle of all this and so he teams up with john adams excuse me james madison thomas jefferson teams up with james madison And he goes to Kentucky and Virginia, which were legislatures that were very friendly to the liberals, to the Democratic Republicans. And he works with these state legislatures, right? Because Congress is for the whole big federal government, and then each state has its own mini Congress, a legislature. So Jefferson and Madison, they go to Kentucky and Virginia, and they say, hey, guys, let's pass a resolution which is kind of like a, a law. It just says, like, here's what we believe. It's, it's just kind of like a, an official opinion, you might say. And so let's pass a resolution in Kentucky and one in Virginia that says we are not going to comply with these laws that Congress is passing. We think these laws are unconstitutional. And so what Jefferson was doing as vice president was working with legislators in the states to say, hey, guys, you should oppose what the federal government is doing because it violates the Constitution. And rather than waiting for the Supreme Court to figure it out, you know, years from now, rather than just duking it out in Congress, why don't you guys as a state just say, nope, we think that's unconstitutional and we are not going to comply. And so both Kentucky and Virginia passed these resolutions. It's what we today call, and some of them back then called, nullification. When a state stands up and and tells the federal government, nope, we're not complying with that. We kind of see it today with, I mean, there's silly things like raw milk and and other (laughs) things, but, you know, but but, uh, certainly cases like cannabis, like in Utah, when we passed a law 
allowing sick uh, people like with seizures and things to use cannabis. Well, the federal government says nobody can use cannabis. They say it's fully illegal. And so many states have been like, eh, no, we're, we're going to do something else. We're going to ignore your law. And so that is kind of like nullification. And there are other examples too. But the point is Jefferson was kind of the linchpin. He was the instigator of, of this nullification. And as a sitting vice president trying to undermine the sitting president, you can see why many people really didn't like this, <laughs> this approach and said, hey, let's change the Constitution and, and make it so that the president and the vice president were members of the of the same party. Brittany, any, any, I've been talking a while. Any thoughts you want to share on Jefferson? Uh, just that I think he's my favorite founding father. Cause I think he was the most radical and I like, I like the, I like the ones that are they're a little more radical. I think he's the one attributed to what is it? The blood of Patriots. What is the quote? Has to be the, the tree of Liberty has to be refreshed yep. with the, the blood, blood of, of Patriots, tyrants, which again, it's like or blood. of Yeah. Someone's blood. Uh, blood of it's tyrants, a, not our blood, their not blood, our blood, not our blood, their blood, which is, a little radical, a little bit theatrical, but I appreciate it. Right. Uh, so yeah, he's my favorite. Well, and and the story with John Adams is super interesting because it has a, a different resolution. They were enemies and they were opponents and adversaries, but later in life they reconciled mm -hmm. and they died um, on the same day. I think same it was like, it, wasn't it like, it was like 50 years after the Declaration of Independence. On July 4th, on Independence Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah same day and, uh, and and just super fascinating. And so by this time, they were writing letters to one another and, and things had kind of smoothed out. Um, and, you know, it's unfortunate because John Adams was great in a lot of ways. He had a lot mm -hmm. of really powerful insights. And they were both very opinionated men. <laughs> very uh, Stubborn that, and opinionated men. <laughs> that is very true. And, you know, there's some fantastic biographies about Thomas Jefferson. Uh, our friend Kevin Gutzman just came out oh, with yes, uh, yes. one that talks about uh, Jefferson a bit. And so uh, for those who want to learn more about him, there are no short. And, and look, he was not perfect. Like many of the founding fathers, you know, he had slaves that he inherited and he was trying to figure out how do we, you know, free slaves. But like change our economy and how do we do this? And so he was a, a product of his time and trying to figure all these things out. Uh, but his contribution is vast to uh, trying to move the needle, trying to move us in favor of more freedom. And, uh, and, and the declaration is just a, a masterpiece document to talk about these things. So uh, he's definitely worth learning more about. Um, and there's no shortage of videos and biographies and other things where you can learn more about him. Uh, but even if it's just reading the Declaration of Independence together as a family and taking some time to reflect on it, I think is just a powerful exercise. So we'll leave it there for now. Uh, great man, great story, and a lot that we can learn from him. Brittany, great chatting with you as always. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out TuttleTwins.com for more awesome content.